you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Wants its next contract fully guaranteed. Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast presented by Intuit QuickBooks, official sponsor of the NFL. I'm Greg Rosenthal here in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, and for the first time ever, Omar Ruiz. Ooh, that's some intense music to be introduced oh, yeah. to. Wow, this is awesome. Oh, we just broke out that music just for you, Omar. Like almost a thousand episodes in and that music. <laughs> I, I feel just like I should have walked in with that entrance. Oh, yeah. It was the, made for this moment. Yeah. Should have been carried are. in. Omar Ruiz, of course, um, a longtime reporter uh, at the NFL Network. He is sitting in uh, in the Dan Hansis seat. And you know, potentially putting himself uh, a little bit at risk here. Um, the Wally Pip exchange. No, no, there. I'm not saying Dan is putting himself at risk. You are, um, because Dan is out sick today. Uh, he's got the little C. You know, of course, the <laughs> little C. Chris had the big C back in the day, and now we have the the medium C. I guess is is what out. is that standing for? Coronavirus. I mean, he has a he has undetected no, no, Dan ha- symptoms. Dan has the little C, just a cold. The middle seat. We don't I guess, know that. Yeah, exactly. We don't know seat. that. Ah, we don't know what Dan has. Greg's it's not been detected. I'm not panic. putting that out. Uh, suppo- right? what, are you, what are you guys? Supposedly, you, you guys texted Dang. him. You haven't heard back yet, right? You're it's, still there's a lot answers. of missing fill-in-the-blank scenarios there's, here, Wes. There's some information that my wife would like to have okay. that she has not gotten from Dan yet. I mean, his kids. His kids were sick. He said he had. Uh, he said he had strep throat, and um, and that's unfortunate. But Keisha, to her credit, was was is concerned just in general about the the san you know how safe it is up here. Emailed a shadowy league figure about it, and then uh, which ended up going to our producer Ricky Hollywood to uh, wipe down all the microphones in, in the studio. Well, yeah, it was under my impression that the janitorial staff that the NFL employs um, was doing a little bit more than just emptying out the trash in here. So um, news alert: they were that's not called due diligence yeah. by Lakeisha. Yeah, due diligence. Yeah. yeah, that I mean she's a she's very pregnant. It all it all checks out. And Wes's face is like roughly four and a half feet from Dan's face, like six, seven but hours. But people a week. need to calm calm down. Um, trying to trying to put this on on Dan. And full disclosure, I was just sick 
But I went to the doctor yesterday. It's not Corona. It wasn't even the flu. Mm. It was some sort of you know lung inflammation mm. or something. Nice, a like, new strain of virus a new being brought into the, virus. Into the, as, the, as we. Uh, but it's no longer with contagious. The history of pneumonia and bronchitis. <laughs> right. Well, Friday show totally up in the air. It's like I've got a cough, but uh, hey, it's no big deal. Glad yeah. you guys had me on the show. <laughs> Thanks, Omar. Whoever's Thanks. in that chair is just coughing constantly. Um, uh. We've got a we've got a fun show. Um, we've got a lot of news. We're going to ask Omar uh, Ruiz, um, put him in the hot seat. I know. Yeah, it, Mark, is, it does feel warm. Mark yeah, has one of those automatic time questions. I think we all do. I mean, our questions, we, we haven't had a chance to kind of quiz you with things we've always wanted to ask you, and some of them are hotter than other items. Mark, remember that <laughs> I, I believe early 1990s television show Herman's Head? What? Oh, that is even. I vaguely. It sounds head. familiar, but I I was not a consistent viewer or ever. I want to know what's inside Omar's head. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Cool. Oh, yeah. Um, we also uh, are going to talk about some uh, underrated, maybe overlooked players, GMs, stories heading into free agency. Um, jumping off the fact that Omar Ruiz again is here, one of the most underrated uh, guys at NFL Network. Oh, thank you. Then maybe now at some point you don't want to be underrated. It's like you just want everyone uh, to recognize your greatness. You want to be rated, just. But I think it's fair to rated, say right? that Omar is kind of um, a, a key figure here at the network. It, it people love Omar. He does a great job, and um, he's underrated. He's, he can be a little overlooked, not as much anymore. Sure, because you're extremely versatile, and I, you know, whether it's the old days and we'd be. You know, cranking out those stories, and you'd be doing what Matt Money and Andrew were doing out the news desk inside. Right, can, but then they can the just shoot you out to San Francisco, and you cover the Niners seamlessly. So on a day's notice, and take a red eye to Cleveland, and be embedded with the Browns for a week. And I think that's one of my strengths is to go from Cleveland to Jacksonville to Forty Nine. No, no drama, no drama, Omar. That's why I have noticed though, because um, he's been with the NFL Network since 2012. The assignments, it's like. The assignments are going up and up. When you see like who's covering one of the Super Bowl teams, like Omar's getting those plum assignments now. Oh, so they're starting thank to recognize. You, thank you. Oh, so you may not notice this, but during things like the NFL Talent Summit, like you have leadership quality yeah. that come across, and not everybody has those. So it, it's easy to see, and it's appreciated. All we right. are occasionally uh, pinged by uh, listeners for My head, oh, head is well. I know we some, sometimes we get critiqued for being too nice to our guests to come oh. on the show. So you know, there's going to have to be if we see a little crack <laughs> chinky yeah. armor, we're going to go after it too. Uh, yeah, we um, we were gonna we're gonna hit you hard about your um, days as a uh, game day security guard. Uh, oh, that'll be fun. Back yeah. in the day. So uh, just be ready for some tough questions. But in the meantime, uh, Ricky, let's do some news. Jarrell, say your coach. Mike Rabel calls you guys his street rats. You yeah. guys always find a way to get it done. That is the voice of Tiffany Blackman. We are just saying uh, so long and farewell to another one of our, our coworkers we've probably said nice things about over the years. Moving on to the MLS team in uh, Charlotte, she announced today. So just uh, congratulations, Tiffany Blackman, one of the one of the good people here at the network. One of the, yeah, one of the great people, always interacted well with my daughters and family at all the league events and as a matter of fact she said that she wanted to come on our next family vacation so i opened up the all right invite to her whenever wow she's ready tiffany well, once. you just came back from one and she didn't take you up on it so not that no. time yeah but she was in the middle of going to the okay. mls charlotte so whenever that thing gets up and running and came tiffany, to tiffany for our wedding mm. yeah she she's a good friend of lakeisha she's we've had fun with tiffany she had she did a lot of um covering of those southeast teams charlotte mm-hmm 
Atlanta and Tennessee, where the Bermuda uh, Triangle, the teams nobody pays attention <laughs> no, to stop. outside of the. Well, Southern we're United paying it. We're paying attention to the Titans right now. We're leading the news with it. Um, we are talking Tennessee because Ryan Tannehill, to me, could be the first um, decision that we get a feel of how all these quarterback decisions are going to be made around the league. Ian Rappaport, our insider, reported today that the Titans are focused on re-signing Ryan Tannehill. The uh, tag deadline has been extended to Monday. Just going to combine these two stories. We will find out if the Titans tag Ryan Tannehill uh, by Monday. But in the meantime, they are reportedly focused on re-signing Tannehill. Does this quiet your your Tom Brady to the Titans thoughts, Chris Wesley? Well, Rapsheet said this is their priority. Their top priority is to bring Ryan Tannehill back. So, yes, that does by definition, quiet Mm. concerns that Tom Brady would be replacing him. And I think as much as we see Tom Brady connected to teams like the Titans and the 49ers, you have to kind of question whether he fits those offenses and what the plays they kind of run, play action, boot action, movement in the pocket, does he fit those offenses like the quarterbacks who are already in place in those Mm. cities? I agree with that assessment, especially with Ryan Tannehill wants to be there. The chemistry and the magic that they formulated once he was inserted into the lineup, that's something you can't necessarily replicate, even as great as Tom Brady is. If you were to go there just sort of uh, out of a vacuum or in the vacuum, Ryan Tannehill coming in reminded me a lot of the Case Keenum situation in Minnesota. They thought they could upgrade with Kirk Cousins. Hasn't necessarily worked out that way by getting a guy who seems to be an upgrade. Mm. Um, so if they can build on that magic, that chemistry into the 2020 wow. season, then I think Omar yeah, making the- himself an enemy of kissing Cousins' corner. These guys love Kirk Cousins. And- uh, I don't love Kirk that Cousins. Is not <laughs> representative <laughs> of our feelings of, on Kirk that's Cousins. Not, that's that's not I mean, he's an upgrade from Case Keenum. Let's count Sure. That. I would yeah. say this for the, like a lot of this, like, oh, you're a free agent. Everyone wants to match you with new landing spots and teams. And if I'm the Titans and I look at Tannehill or if I'm Ryan Tannehill or if I'm looking at Derrick Henry or I'm Derrick Henry, the Mm. best landing spot is right where you were last year because I just don't simply trust Ryan Tannehill suddenly going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or fill-in-the-blank Team X. The Titans worked with these two guys for a reason. I would hate to see either one of them try to duplicate last year somewhere else. I don't say they're both risky. Somewhere right, else. and I and I'm I know Ian's right that he's their first priority. But to me, what does that mean? Is he their first priority at a certain price? That's how I would uh, assume that it is. That well, it doesn't priority mean that, that they, they want they want to get it done. They That's want, what priority means. absolutely. They want to get it done. They, you know, they could get it done if they wanted to just pay him thirty million dollars a year. I'm sure it'd be done today. So it's figuring out what the right price is, and is there a price that's, you know, too much, too rich for their blood, where they start going in on Brady? To me, the tag deadline being changed to Monday probably affects the Titans more than any team. The Cowboys are in there too, because I just think they they kind of have to declare what they're doing. I would imagine they're going to use their tag on Derrick Henry. And to me, that tells you, yeah, Ryan Tannehill, you're our priority, but we at least are comfortable in the uncertainty of what's going to happen Monday and Tuesday, that we have some other plans if we can't get you signed. I just don't understand. Like, does Tannehill have any leverage to, to me, like, what no other team atta- is going to go after Ryan no Tannehill? No one's attached him uh, to any team. Have you heard anything, Omar? I haven't heard anything with Tannehill as far as outside teams, but I think you saying Derrick Henry being maybe the focus of that tag speaks to whoever at quarterback 
uh, of the Titans is next year, it's going to be a run first team still. Derrick Henry is still going to be, you know, the ball carrier, and he is the reason. And that offense, for what he does to it, is why it's so attractive. Whether it's Ryan Tannehill, whether it's Tom Brady, Derrick Henry being the centerpiece of that offense. Yeah, I, I think you can't discount the the stats Tannehill put up are just. Outrageous. I mean, who could use a 117 passer rating? Right. I mean, it's hard to overlook that. Well, Wes, do you agree that if he just went somewhere else, like w- a team trying to f- just find a Tam- quarterback Tampa to plug maybe. in? That's I just, fun. I don't, I like bringing the whole Titans thing back for another year. While we're on Tampa and Brady, the Tampa Bay Times is reporting just now that the that the Bucks are all in, quote, on Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Well, and we and, just did an NFL and, Network hit where we talked and, about teams that are going to be over-celebrated if they do certain things in the offseason. I brought up the Bucks because if you ever put Brady into Tampa Bay and they have their shiny new uniforms and everything else you got going on there, <laughs> look out for the the the, the songs nice, being sung about nice, the Bucks. A uh, nice young defense. And everyone makes the comparison. Phil Rivers has potentially a landing spot there in Florida with Bruce Arians, the way Arians resurrected a late Carson Palmer career. Imagine what he could do mm. with Tom Brady. It would, it, it, it's, it's a very different fit in terms of the offense that he plays in, but Arians played with Manning, and the only thing I'd push back with you, Wes, on like if the Titans took Brady, I think any team that takes Brady, you're running the Tom Brady offense. I mean, you are just choosing. I, I don't think that, I think Derrick Henry is the Titans offense. Right, no, I get it. That out. it. It'd be a huge risk for the Titans to change things, but wherever Tom Brady goes, you are going to change things and do things in a way that Tom Brady wants to do it, that suits his Why skill set. Why would you do that with a 43-year-old quarterback? Because that's the best way to make him at his best. Why bring him in unless you're going to let him do what, what is he does? What is his best now? I think... Choose, you know, picking out matchups before the snap. Right. I mean, what is his best quality? Of, how how making, high is his ceiling right now? How, can he lift your offense? Because he did not lift the Patriots' offense. But wouldn't you say that part of Brady being wooed by another team and the discussions around that are that Brady's involvement and creation of the attack will be immense versus right. just taking someone else's play? That, that, that's all I'm it, saying. And, and with the Bucks, I think the upside would be a better than average starting NFL quarterback that limits mistakes and can kind of manage the game for lack of a, I I hate that phrase, but that's part of it. Well, especially with the Buccaneers and those 30 turnovers last year, I think they've emphasized uh, ever since the season ended that this season would have been dramatically different had they prevented those turnovers. So even just limiting those would be a huge victory for the Buccaneers in 2020, regardless. It's a very Bruce Arians move. And then you talk about Tom Brady with Mike Evans and the weapons that they have there. It's a whole different ball game than what he was tempting to have lifted in New England this past season. That would be fun. It would be a good, it would be a good spot for Stidham corner to step up and, Step, step in and I, I, of all the impressive things Tom Brady's done in his career, one of the most impressive I've seen is the way people have handled his value this offseason. After what he did last year I, I think in that offense. I think it's fair, but I think he was I think he was a, a mid level starting quarterback last year and, and was about the same when they won the Super Bowl for stretches and like for the Bucks, for the Titans, that could have a lot of value. No forty three year old quarterback has ever started uh a season, so who knows? Maybe it'll be a total bust, uncharted territory. Um, you know who's not continuing um, his uh, great career, unlike Tom Brady. Marshall Yonda has retired after 13 seasons. Gonna be a Ring of Honor guy in uh, Baltimore. They already uh, have said, and uh, could be a Hall of Fame type of guy uh, in five years or more. Marshall Yonda, part of those Ravens teams that gave you nightmares.
Mark Sessler. <laughs> Gave me nightmares? I mean, I... I mean, yeah. You, I, you, the, you don't like the Rapbirds. No, I'm not. No, I, I wanted to trade them in for an under-the-continent train system that would go to <laughs> And y- Yondo was kind so. of uh, symbolic of their rugged ways this decade. Yeah, That's I mean, what I, I'm, saying. I, I, I'm not probably the first person on the planet that should be grading um, offensive guards as Hall of Fame entries, but I don't know what more you need to do in terms of consistency. The... He's just been someone you can rely on every single year. They weren't all his best seasons, but Yonda feels like HOF scenario oh, candidate big time. to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm surprised he's actually walking away with Lamar, Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram and everything that they accomplished last year in the running game. It seems like one of those offenses that an offensive lineman would love to perform mm. in. And Marshall Yonda kind of walking away, I think, speaks more to the fact that he wants to be healthy and go out on his terms. And, maybe and how brutal it is to play guard at the level, I think, that, that he was playing. He was easy choice for all decade for my list that I did about a month ago, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he'll be on the one, the official one that they come out with, probably with Zach Martin. I would imagine. They there was yeah, I think uh, I think he'll probably be the favorite. I'm trying to think of who else could be in there. Yonda should get it. Joel Batonio has been very good, yeah. but but on bad teams and and off probably, the radar, yeah, probably largely. not quite to the level, enough uh, maybe for the whole decade. There was a good yeah. story someone sent out. Um, was it Kevin Von Valkenberg is his name? Uh, yesterday of covering Yonda as a rookie, Chris McAllister once brought a uh, a taser in, <laughs> into the locker room, and they, he put five hundred dollars down, and he said uh, like whoever wants to tase themselves gets the five hundred, and then other players were like yeah yeah yeah, and like started throwing a ton of money in there, and Yonda just like walked up there. Apparently, like he grew up on farms, and he knew that wasn't even like a police grade taser that it would be no problem for him, and he just like because he knew enough about tasers and just did it, and like everyone I would get lost tased their in two seconds for a and then they were like, did he do really it. do it? Did he really do it? And like he, he, and did, it he again. Just did it again just just to prove him wrong. That he said on the farm they had electric fences and he was used to that so get you a little locker room respect we're gonna do that on um on friday's show <laughs> like bringing the taser i think ricky would ricky would take a taser to the thigh or something she would go for it she would register the Depends taser you could make a little else. money if you can make a little money yeah I take that I one to the bank ricky 20 bucks is 20 bucks you know <laughs> throw it down right here 20 bucks is all it, uh, all it takes 20 <laughs> uh, we have uh We've been, we've been following uh, the Al Michaels, Monday Night Football, Tony Romo, all the speculation of who's going to uh, be announcing where throughout the offseason. It's really Dan's corner. I feel bad even talking about it without him here. <laughs> I really do. Um, you know, I feel bad about it. Joe Tessitore and Booger McCoy. Yeah. We, all this talk about. We've talked about that, too. Yeah. It, it's unfortunate um, for those two. But, hey, we're just reporting the news. And the latest is uh, Andrew Marchand of the New York Post says the NBC is saying no to an Al Michaels getting traded to ESPN deal. So that solution, which seems fun, uh, I guess will not happen. It just surprises me because of the Mike Tirico factor where it was such an easy transition to someone that has been kind of backbenched unnecessarily. In that article, there was one line that stood out to me because they they mentioned Kurt Warner as someone in there in the mix if Manning didn't. Go, but that said internally, ESPN has toyed with the idea of a booth with Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and Brian Greasy, who did the second Monday night game a year ago. That's just mm. uh, if, if all this stuff falls apart and it looks like it's falling apart, that could be a trio to look at. They were good. I like Lewis Riddick. I don't. I don't love a three-man booth. I just think just 
I would pick just Lewis Riddick. Just do, you know, it's like, it get, I think if you're asking people to do something they haven't done before and then it's three people, I, I'm I'm good with a uh, little Levy and Riddick. Sorry, Brian Green. On our four-person podcast, you know. that is the comment. <laughs> but we, we go on forever. Yeah, that's fair. But I think with Al Michaels, I think he wants to see this NBC Super Bowl in L.A., his hometown, mm. and I think that will be his swan song and the official baton will have been passed after that. So I think it's probably more his call than anything to turn that trade down. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Knowing that uh, not this season Super Bowl, but the following will be on NBC and he'll have it here in Los Angeles. Dude, what, what was ESPN home. putting on the tra- on the table as trade bait? I don't know. Like, why would M- what's the incentive for NBC to even think about like this? some of that? Yeah, if there's, t- if there's taser Steve cash, Willie we'll give you time, 50, we'll one? give you uh, 15 minutes of Stephen A. Smith and Football Night in America. Put him next to like uh, Florio. Yeah, Florio, and <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be fun. Tarico, things just go crazy. Did you say Stephen A. Smith? Yeah, no. I'm just trying to think who, who no. are their most uh, valuable assets right now. Stephen A. Smith no. is the meter. God no. Stephen Don't a, even Stephen put a, that Stephen out there a. in the world, Greg. Saw Skip Bayless well, they, they at the mall, the by the way. Did you see that? So. Wait, what? I think Stephen A. Smith was on some sort of Oscar coverage, right? Just trying to maximize ABC, ESPN. Wow. Trying to get as much, you know, for he his can buck do it. As he possible. can do it all. So uh, we you need s- more disingenuousness oh. from TV reporters. You can, um, you can uh, talk about kind of like the Stephen A. Smith types of the world, Mark, because you became close friends with Skip Bayless over the weekend. Uh, well, oh, no, I, I, right? I, you know, there's a, a mall that is being reconstructed, but there's a movie theater still active inside of it. So I went to said mall. I don't want to, you know, name the location. And as I was going up the escalator from the garage, Skip Bayless and a woman, I presume to be someone that he's, again, don't want to <laughs> say, I assume it's his wife, I'm assuming, was going in the other direction. So mm. did not have a long conversation, yeah. actually. That's Mrs. Bayless. It was Mrs. Bayless, Mister, and Mister. Was it so. was it more than you? a high and by, or did you actually? No, yeah. we didn't. I just like it was one of those things. Is as the person was passing by me, I like turned my head and realized that was Skip Bayless, and like texted ah. this this crowd. How about no um, no what were you doing at the mall? What did you see? Seeing a movie. Oh, I missed that part. Yeah. what movie? The T- ben will not. Will you saw not. The ben Affleck. I will. Right? Not, yeah, no, no, it was not. I will not announce what it was. Why? Because the last time I mentioned a movie that I went to, which was doesn't mean you're in uh, Hustlers, it. I believe. Yeah, it was. I was. I was. <laughs> well, what, what, what I was, was just it? ripped to shreds. People loved Hustlers. Greg, you almost went to a movie by yourself last night. What? What? Which one was that? Uh, I was gonna go see. I didn't see it, but I will. Uh, Portrait of uh, a Lady on Fire. A uh, a wonderful looking lesbian uh, romantic uh, period piece. I'm looking forward to it. I, I've heard it's great. See. That's playing at the theater that I went to, by the way. There we so, go. Is that what you saw? No, I saw a film called actually Erica called China Greed, Shaming. which I thought was underwhelming. Okay. Uh, Greed. Who's in it? Uh, well, you know, I mean, we can. Okay, we don't well, need we to can bar- discuss that. We don't offline. need to bury it. We don't need to bury it. Um, <laughs> what else should we talk about here? Let's uh, let's talk about the new rules proposals. Have you guys? Did you guys look at that? That they're going. To I be did. Yeah. Voting on at the owners' meetings. Uh, which is still scheduled to happen, by the way. The league says the draft remains in place. The owners' meeting, which is about 16 days away from us flying to Florida for, uh, remains in place. They could always change it, of course. Uh, but assuming it happens and they go, uh, it was a little shorter list, I noticed, of uh, potential rules changes this year. What jumped out to you, Mark? Uh, I thought the Eagles uh, lobbying for an uh, like different onside kick scenarios that would allow a team to go for it on fourth and fifteen. Yes, um, stood out. 
from the 25-yard line, they you could get the ball on your own 25, fourth and 15, in a way to try to keep possession of the ball instead of doing an onside kick. I, I love this I love role. it, too, because the onside kick seems like it's become unmanageable in terms of being a reality at the end of games to flip possession. I love that rule, too. And we saw in the Pro Bowl, and I remember lead, right. leading up to the Pro Bowl, Pete Carroll said, hey, if we get a chance to use it, we will. And, in fact, they did. They scored a late touchdown. They were still within one possession to try to get back in the game. And Pete Carroll goes for it, fourth and 15 from their own 25. And who interrupts the play? Earl Thomas gets the Ooh. interception <laughs> for the ultimate bird back at Pete Carroll in that play. But that, I mean, Is anything the ultimate burn in the Pro Bowl, though? No, the bird. Oh, bird. Yeah. Oh, look at you. you be, I mean, Omar, were you bird. covering the Pro Bowl? I was at the Pro I mean, Bowl. You co- you, you're covering everything. And that well, what a surreal day. I mean, just to talk about, with Kobe Bryant dying, you know, like mm. five minutes before, you know, that all happened. What was that? Did you? What was the reaction from the players and everything in terms of your day there? Like it was well. First, you, you I looked at my phone. You think it's not real? I have some buddies at TMZ texted them. They said it was. So as everybody in the stands is discovering, looking on their phones, you see them distracted, not looking at the introductions anymore. Mm-hmm. That all unfolds, and you. you I start talking to the players and, and they all had heard and, and in the locker room before, you know, they're describing just the air and the energy being sucked out of them mm. because they were having their locker room speeches. Let's go out and do it. And then that word creeps in right at the last minute. And I think Pete Carroll gathered the NFC team around and said, hey, let's go do it for Kobe and, and all that. And, and players were willing to talk to me during the game on camera. We couldn't air it because ESPN had the rights to the game until until they were offline. But the fact that they were so eager to talk and get their feelings out uh, during the game, the actual Pro Bowl, I think, you know, spoke volumes to what how they felt about Kobe mm. and, and their words did that as well. I'd want to know how it affected their on-field performance. I don't know if the Pro Bowl is the perfect gauge of how it affected their on-field right. performance mm-hmm. versus, you know, prior to the AFC championship or something. I sure. do, I do like they got to try out that, that rule. Cause that we haven't seen a rule change like that in football that I can think of. That's that creative and just changing the dynamics of how you think about possession mm-hmm. in a long, long time. Like why not try that out for a year? Wes seems a little skeptical. No, I oh, love, Oh, you like it. I love any rule changes that do not involve replay review. Okay, well, so there are some there are some replay review um, changes. One, you know, one proposal was saying uh, to include scoring plays and turnovers that were negated by a penalty. Basically, just m- make it more available for automatic replay review so that you don't have to waste the challenge if like a touchdown is taken away from penalty. I'd be fine with that or a successful or unsuccessful attempt. We don't know for sure if they're bringing back replay at all. And they, um, you know, the the Ravens and the Chargers both wanted to add the booth umpire as an official eighth uh, game official and then maybe add technology advisor. And there's a lot going on here. Here's one that got on my radar. Yes. I don't know if the Eagles are just trying to, as they say, sort of punk the rest of the league and all of us discussing this, but the Eagles want to restore the preseason overtime period to 15 minutes. What? Well, and the regular season, too. Yeah, regular season. Oh, I I just saw... Okay, so that helps. I saw preseason, (laughs) and I thought, why on God's green earth are we trying to extend preseason games that go into a fifth frame? It is an interesting move by the Eagles. We're into the... We've done this overtime for a while, and now they're just saying, let's go back. Well, I agree with it. Regular season, I kind of get a little bit. I don't. I like the 10-minute thing. I I don't like the 10-minute, you know, because I think you get the one possession. If it takes six minutes, now you have the the other possession. That's fine. And then that's it. 
That's but fine. I, but, you know, if, if nobody scores in that first position, nobody scores in that second possession, there's not really enough to get a third possession to actually win the game. And then you have, you know, all these coaches asked, you know, are you trying to win? Are you not trying to win? Or are you just trying to play for the tie? But you have other ones where they like have like five possessions each and no one scores. And it, it's like... It you, seems like it's largely it's, been non... It's worked out without yeah, a lot of controversy. 70 minutes is too... That's too long to be playing football. Yeah. You know? What's what 75? <laughs> <laughs> Says the guy on the sideline. Uh, finally... Um, the Patriots lead the way. I don't know if we have to talk too much about this. With compensatory picks, they had four of them, including they were the only team with uh, two third-round picks in compensatory uh, announcements. Trent Brown, I believe, was was one of the ones they, they picked up for. The Ravens have traditionally kicked everyone's butt in compensatory yeah. picks because they figured out the formula a long time ago, and they have said it's like, they guard that secret like it's Coke's formula, mm. but it factors in salary, playing time, postseason honors, and whether the team has lost more free agents than they've signed. Right. It, yeah. And mostly in terms of like the the ledger of who you sign, who you don't, that kind of decides how many picks and then, yeah, how how well they played or how much they did decides where the picks are. And it, it, the Patriots... Are, like the Ravens are a team. I think the Patriots have the second or third most, you know, ever. And the Ravens Packers have second. And uh, the the Patriots they wait until the day after they're no longer included in the formula, and then they sign some some free agents. It's uh because I always thought, oh, it just seems like the Ravens constantly have like endless, cons- it, it, you know, high re- third, fourth Brown comp picks, which is you know, as a Browns fan, utterly because you look at some of these comp picks. Dak Prescott came through a comp pick. Mike Daniels. Kyle Juszczyk, guys like Aaron Jones, James Conner, our guy Burgo, J- Jeremy Bergman put together a top 10 like players that were pulled through comp picks, and there's a pretty amazing list. The Ravens since 2011 have had 20. Since 2011, the Packers, I think, were next with 17. New England, 10. But then you look at teams like the Bears and Jags, they've had one each since 2011. Which that's, tells me that's you're 20, not... That's 20 players. I, that's right. I, I saw a different list that went back even further, and I think the Ravens had 53 and the Saints were at the bottom with 10. I mean, that's 40 players they got an extra yeah. swing at. It's they pretty- signed Mark Ingram and Earl Thomas and still got a third and a fourth rounder compensatory picks. That's right. how that's good the Ravens are at that, this. Of that equation. Yeah, 52 since 94. But that also speaks... It's huge for the Patriots. They need some young players. And that, I- those are two kind of late, very late third round picks. Does that speak a lot to developing and, and drafting yeah. and letting the guys walk? It's kind of the system. Yeah. It's almost like you have too much talent. Like you have to let guys go. And you're right. and they're good and at they're good like, players. Yeah, they're good. I mean, what what are you saying? If you what's the the sell for the Bears and the Jags to have one? You've not done that. You've yeah. not done a good job. You know, um, you know who has done a good job? Omar Ruiz. We're we're into Omar. Ask Omar <laughs> section. <laughs> All right. You know, yeah, I think that's, it. that's it. it for the news. I mean, he's been here since 2012. Um, his bio. I don't know if this is a La Raviel Magnifico. But it's it's rather long, Omar, and we we know you probably wrote that yourself. I mean, that thing is it's about four hundred words. Well, they asked me. Well, they asked me like when I first got here. That didn't go up until twenty eighteen. I've been here okay. since twenty twelve. I had written like four before, and it just never got on the website for whatever reason. Uh, and maybe they had uh, you know quick plans with me early on, but. Um, but yeah, so I, if I was going to take the time, you know, when I wrote that, I was on jury duty. So I was bored in the main room. Perfect time to so dig into a project. Know, so I just, you know, started banging away at this bio and, you know, a couple drafts you've, later, there it is. You've hosted NHL Tonight on NHL Network. Remember? You've been a play-by-play announcer from, for some uh, Olympic sports. 
including UCLA, UCLA's yeah. men's water polo. Uh, you, you made your way through the ranks covering a number of sports, uh, and now you're here mostly as kind of a team reporter traveling the land. Going all over the country, and, and like I said, I think the value that I bring is, you know, they can kind of put me in anywhere and, you know, do a... And so that's all been easy job. and good, but now it come, now comes the hard t- time. We have five minutes... Who knows if we'll actually Oh, he's go actually past having a clock. We have a oh, clock. Oh, yeah, rapid yeah. fire. Wow. If we have a, anything. Um, we are going to start the clock, and then questions are coming at you fast. you got to answer them fast, and who knows? You. This it's, might be— It's uh, supposed to be a— sp- I'm looking for some depth here. Okay, well, depth and speed. Whatever. There's no rules on this podcast, and we are going to start right now. People in L.A. keep score. <laughs> More than any other city I've ever been around. Houses, cars, neighborhood, airtime, agents, social media following. My scorecard is happiness. That's the only thing on there, happiness. (laughs) And you rank very high on my scorecard. Your children are some of the most delightful children I've ever seen. They're almost like many adults. (laughs) They are. And I've noticed that you and your wife don't speak to them like children. You speak to them as if they're actual adults and you reason with them and you logic with them. Tell me the secret to Mm. how great your children are. Well, I think from from an early age, uh, I adopted that philosophy. And so when we spoke to them, even when the kids were one year old, a year and a half, and not necessarily engaging in this conversation yet, we would speak to them at the mall in a way that they could understand and hear all of our words and they could listen to all of that in a way that and and I removed any embarrassment that I would feel talking like that in public and so then Wes I think, is taking notes here I, I think, a father to be I think they absorbed all of that a lot better and maybe a lot faster than their peers were you know Ooh. you kind of just you know quiet them up at the store you don't want them to make a scene well we just sort of encouraged them to be themselves we were ourselves, albeit in a loud version and, you know, kind of talking like this again so they can understand better and maybe develop their vocabulary and speaking skills a little bit They are delightful. Good dad sesh right there. Oh, thanks. I've got one for you. Um, I like this music, by the way, Ricky. You seem like a high, a class act from what I'm hearing here, but (laughs) what percentage, and I want a number here, what percentage of NFL wags, aka wives and girlfriends, should trust their NFL playing husbands? I want a number between zero and 100. (laughs) 65, two-thirds. Fair number. Seems about right. Mm. Most of the guys in the NFL are good dudes. I know that you're a good dude, so you're not going to tell us who the 35% are. (laughs) You're just saying you know things. You know things. 65. Um, tell Tell us something you saw as a security guard at Candlestick Park. My favorite memory is Joe Montana retirement night. They're retiring his jersey, number 16. Huey Lewis is singing the national anthem. It's the Broncos. It's the 49ers. They're both, you know, right around the top seeds in 1997 in the AFC and NFC, respectively. The Broncos were going to win the Super Bowl that year. And I'm the guy that is escorting the cameras as Joe Montana is walking onto the Ooh. field. So I'm making sure that they keep moving because they're walking backwards, of course, as we're going onto the field at Candlestick and making sure they don't trip on themselves, they don't trip on the cables and everything. And just to have that kind of bird's eye view mm. as Joe Montana walks on the field to get his jersey retired. It was also the game where it was Brent Jones's final game as a 49er there at Candlestick. Got to get out of there if Montana's getting out of there. And it was also the game that Jerry Rice returned. If you remember at that season, week one, Warren Sapp, tackles him on that reverse 
and you know tears his ACL. It was his first game back. It was Monday Night Football, so it was everything back when Al Michaels was a Monday Night Football. That inspired and that was you to take the career path you took. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily that night, but just being there on the sideline, talking to different people. Um, you know, I would you know chat up you know Jim Mora at the time when when younger Jim Mora was on the 49ers staff and he was not coaching that that particular year and and you know having a discussion on you know team building and all that, you know, just random stuff like that that was just so cool, I thought. And, you know, how cool would it be to be on the sidelines and get paid for it? Mm. So I kind of honed in I my like focus. It. Choose your idiom for the English language. Better phrase, beyond the pale or various stages of undress. Mm. <laughs> beyond the pale? <laughs> I, I would say... Beyond the pale? Oh, okay. You're choosing that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, either is not my wheelhouse... But uh, for the sake of this show and, and keeping it moving, right. I'll say that. Maybe I'm the only one who finds those phrases interesting. No, those are great phrases. I love them. Why did you, uh, you know, the last time I saw you in person, I believe, was at around four something in the morning at a Waffle House. Whoa. You, uh, I no, hope Ashley's You, you came with us and you ordered a very uh, healthy, balanced meal, and then suddenly you were gone. What happened to you? You were, you were That was a great chapter of the night we're, that you... weren't teaching your daughters uh, life button. lessons at 450, were you? I always say I have the advantage coming from the West Coast... Of going to Indianapolis and, and hanging with everybody and having these great conversations late into the night uh, because our body is three hours ahead. So anyway, I wanted to hang out with Mark and Colleen and and, and one of the coaching friends that we had met and Dan was there as well. Um, and I was so hungry. You know, I'm, I'm a I'm a Catholic. It was it was the day after Ash Wednesday, so I had fasted all day Wednesday, Ooh. and I was so looking forward to once the clock struck midnight, having that huge meal late night, early Thursday morning. So technically, I was off the hook, and now I could eat whatever I want. Steak and Shake was freaking closed, <laughs> so we had to drive out seemingly to Iowa to go to Waffle Ages House. Ages away, I know. And we get there, and I just put the cook up against the clock. I said, Hey, I have a 6:15 flight. It is 4:15. Here is my order. If it's ready, I'll eat. If it's not, I'm gone. It Whoa. wasn't ready. I took off. You left. And I made my flight. That was the priority. Uh, best. The, co- the coach we were with, by the way, offered some explosive information that cannot be shared on the show. <laughs> After I left? Oh, yes. Oh. Do you, ha- do you have any good insidery stuff you want to let out from Indianapolis? I did have a good conversation with Fred Kitchens. And, you know, after, you know, he really hasn't gone public, you know, with his side of the story uh, since he got fired. And I think the main takeaway from that conversation was um, he felt he he felt he wasn't necessarily supported by ownership to implement a lot of the discipline that he wanted to instill. Hmm. We, we, we had we saw glimpses of that when they had hard knocks. And remember, he was one yeah. of the vocal uh, proponents of instilling a little more discipline, trying to make that that team tougher he tried to do some things that he felt he was overruled by by ownership he thought that he had a good conversation with jimmy haslam going into week 17 that he was going to have a chance to build on on things that they had gotten done there in 2019 as disappointing as it was and the bottom line that he took away from that was they've been there since 2012 talking about ownership and and they've had 21 wins and he had a big hand in 13 of them so mm. uh, as disappointing as that year was as, as much uh, of a lack of a support that he felt he had in that situation they won a lot of games a lot more than they had in- I mean he's now on a text thread with like 15 other Browns coaches that feel just the same way that he does so you know I can imagine best California beach for volleyball ooh ooh well Manhattan Beach is is the um, you're a beach volleyball player uh, yeah, avid, avidly so that's wow. kind of my one hobby that I have carte blanche to how's the beach bod 
looking. Not right now. It's more of a dad bod, <laughs> you know, but it's funny because I work all off season. Inevitably, I gain 15 to 20 pounds every season. Just being on the road, eating out all the time, lack of exercise, especially as the year wears on because I get tired come week nine, week 10, just kind of like we all do. Oh, yeah. But being on the road, it's Thanksgiving, and then two weeks after that, it's my birthday, and then it's Christmas, and then it's New Year's, and then it's the playoffs, Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, whatever, that whole drive. So I gain all that weight, and then I work all off-season to, to take it off, and I do, and then it's... It's called the Mangini cycle. Yeah, yeah, and, and, then, and then you get back in this training camp, and then away we go. So I get into the best shape of my life every year. So whenever you guys have all those tropes, and you guys have that, that fun discussion yeah. about, like, best shape of my life, that we hear from the players, I'm saying the same thing. Well, this podcast right now has something called Hashtag BodQuest, which um, Dan was a large part of. He's been felled at at the moment, but he is looking to improve his body, as are the rest of us. You're welcome to join. Oh, thank you. I will. Hashtag BodQuest. So anything that you do, hashtag it, and we let people come out of the woodwork to see where you're at. All right. I'm down for that. And that's it. You're off the scene. Oh, yeah. I I survived. I don't know. Great job. It was really not that... uh, not that that was I did I did want to find out you know how you how you elbow out other people for these these good assignments I feel like of all the the, the reporters <laughs> Omar is kind of the one who's really just stabbing people in the back you know it, maybe it's the the mm. nice guy persona that uh, Ooh. I'm only can, I only can say that because you're one of the you're uh, the last person anyone ever I, I always wanted to be on who wants to be a millionaire. Mm. I think I probably even auditioned having that music, you mm. know, and, and those questions. I felt, you know, maybe as close as I could get to Regis. Mm. You know, back Minus in, the prize money. You've, minus you've the been prize there, money. So. Yeah, you don't get anything. You can be on our, on the next segment, though. I mean, that's like your prize. There you go. You can uh, join us as we discuss. I feel like we've discussed it all with free agency. We're waiting for this clock to just turn on. And it's been an extra week this year in terms of the buildup to free agency. Plus, everything's been on hold because of the CBA. I think stuff like things are going to get crazy starting Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are going to be the busiest days of the offseason. We'll have podcasts. We have a a web uh, show that will be on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week, too. We'll give you info on that. But uh, we've talked about almost everyone, it feels like. But what are... What are some people maybe we haven't? Just like underrated, overlooked, Ruizian-type figures um, entering free agency. It could be players. It could be GMs, people that haven't gotten a lot of attention that that could be factors. Well, I would say, well, from the GM standpoint, I want to see how Dave Caldwell navigates that salary cap, you know, uh, hell that they seem to be in right now, um, given the fact that he has autonomy once again. Um, with Coach Coughlin gone and, and kind of everything that he loomed in that organization. So Hasn't gone that well when he did have autonomy. Not, yeah, and, and, that's right. and, and he's still around. And I think that's the sort of point to it. This is, I'm sure, his last chance to kind of resurrect whatever hope he You're might sure. have down the road. I don't know. I'm never sure. <laughs> he's stuck around here. They've, won, they've had one season over six wins while he's been there, and he's still there. Still there, yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, seeing how he navigates this, you know, will, will be interesting. Jaguars are interesting in general. Like, what are they going to do? Because they cannot rebuild. It's not like they're rebuilding, but they're going to be very active. Mm -hmm. And then I think from a player's perspective, I want to see like Blake Martinez, Joe Schobert, uh, how the middle linebackers do. 
this time around? Because remember, there, I think there was a couple years where it seemed like the linebacker position was getting devalued, and then C.J. Mosley comes along last year and kind of resets the market, and then Bobby Wagner surpasses that even. Will that have a trickle-down effect? I don't think any of those guys this year are as good as those guys, but how does the market um, you know, conform to the numbers that were set last year? You know, Are they beneficiaries of that being mm. in that maybe second tier? And Martinez was second only to Bobby Wagner in tackles this year, so I think he kind of emerged there in Green Bay, and, and Schobert's been a playmaker you know, for a number of it years. It gave me pause. The Browns did not show any interest in re-signing Schobert at what apparently his, his request yeah. is. I don't know if there's but... any middle linebacker out there that's going to get paid big money. I don't think those two guys will. We we talked about Christian Kirksey, who's maybe a little bit more of an off-ball guy. We put, My guy, Nick Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski. We put... Uh, we put Kirksey at the very bottom of our top 101. We did not put Rashad Jones on our top 101, who was cut by the Dolphins. A 32-year-old box safety? Right. No. He's had a, a great career, um, but he's not going to make it. Jonathan Joseph also learned, to, we learned today, he'll hit free agency. But there's a lot of depth, uh, but not a lot yeah. of big names uh, at middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. Who, who's it, who do you got for an underrated, Wes? We've been trained over the last, I think, half decade or so to devalue nose tackles in today's NFL and I think Javon Hardgrave and DJ Reader are going to get paid. I think Hardgrave is a guy especially who came into the league as a guy like the quintessential anchor guy. You're not moving him. And over the last couple of years, he's developed into a pass rusher too. And Mike Tomlin will tell you, do not think this guy is a one-dimensional run stuffer. He's getting after quarterbacks. And I think Hardgrave mm. is a guy who's going to get a lot of interest. I like Reader. Yeah, Reader too. It seems like he might already yeah. be headed to the Broncos. I you don't know. My, like that was my that was my first thing. Hargrave Reader. I mean, we just <laughs> like the big uglies up tough up front. We're real. Well, Reader's guys. a guy too who who was a run stuffer and he's gotten better at pass rushing and he has JJ Watts endorsement as the best nose guard in the league. Hargrave was awesome last year. He you can put him on a two man line or a three man line. I will not forget his run in the playoffs when they made the AFC championship and and got blown out against the Patriots. He was their best defensive lineman. Granted, it's a small sample. At the end of that season, there were some injuries there. He also gave the Patriots all sorts of problems in that game. Didn't matter. You you know, your nose tackle is only going to do so much when when your secondary is letting people wide open. Uh, But he, on a a pretty talented defense, Javon Hargrave was the guy who was kind of standing out the most. And then he really built on it. His best season was uh, a year ago. It's really an awesome... Where are those guys on your... 101 list. They are right around 30. Hargrave is 30, and DJ Reader uh, is 28. In hindsight, I wish I put Hargrave even even a little higher than that. I had him high. I think Wes had him higher. I might have uh, made that mistake, but I like them both. Uh, Reader, a little bit more of just like a, a run stuffer, but he can do – he can rush the passer too. There's a, there's a million good defensive linemen. It's like the only, the only position where there's a lot of good players. Well, you could say Robert Quinn and Jason Pierre-Paul qualify for this if we're talking about what they did last year. Yeah. And the way they looked compared to two or three years ago, they both looked quicker, more explosive. Quinn was getting to the backfield all the time, and, and J- J- JPP was getting multiple quarterback hits every game. I'd throw in Everson Griffin if he actually becomes a free agent. The Vikings seem confident that they'll be able to re-sign him, but he is a free agent, and he's another guy. I, I don't know what it is. I guess it's just all athletes age better than they used to, but especially it seems like some of the line linemen used to 
fall apart their, in terms of their bodies a little faster. But now you're seeing so, a lot of left tackles playing until their late yeah, 30s. Yeah, that's true. And you're seeing these pass rushers who are 32, 33 years old. And, like, Everson Griffin got it done last year. He well, we don't great. have the league where, like, the, the guy in the middle of the defensive line weighs 380 pounds and has, like, five beer bellies. I Jeff mean, these Washington guys are just – right. They're, like – they're treating their body. No one's working as like an accountant in the off season or like no, a, <laughs> no actual Green Bay Packer. I'll give you one that I <laughs> I want to see it before I believe it. But you talk you mentioned for the last decade or whatever we've done X Y and Z. I've completely looked beyond this front office year after year in free agency because their mantra is essentially go into deep slumber whenever players are available on the open market. We'll do nothing but just build our own roster. Blah blah blah. I think that the Bengals, you hear whispers this time around with Duke Tobin, but to Mike Brown has to sign off on all this. And he's been the issue, I think, in terms of growing your roster the way that 98% of the rest of the league does. If it's true that they're going to be active for the first time and you're going to have Joe Burrow at quarterback, the Bengals, to me, you know, they've got cap from, they, they are an interesting team going into next season. But the first step is a, a front office that we just assume will do nothing Doing the opposite for once. And that doesn't mean go sign one left guard. They have issues on their offensive line. They have to be aggressive like some of these other teams. They have issues in other places, too. These linebackers we mentioned, the, the Bengals are a team that is desperately in need of linebackers. Mm-hmm. They uh, That would be fast. I would love to see. I'd love to see a competitive Browns, I mean, a Bengals team. It Not rem- to mention the Browns. So, it, well, you know, it, 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 reminds, terrible idea. it reminds me of yeah. an overlooked, underrated um, story, which came up this week. In my own household, in terms of uh, my children asking, they were asking for the origins of different team names. I don't know why it came up, but I was like explaining some team name, why, why they were named that. And then they started, my Walker kept asking, why are teams names certain things? And they asked about the Browns. And I tried to like, I tried to explain it to him. And I just thought, you know, it's a little over underrated that people just don't talk about that the freaking Browns are named after the Bengals owner. Well, I mean, like your, on, your whole life is you're, you're the, the owner of the Browns and it's the Bengals owner. I mean, that just seems Wait, You so could terrible. argue that Art, ex-Browns owner Art Modell created half of the AFC North because what he did with... Paul Brown created the Bengals, and then what Absolutely. he did with the Ravens created the Ravens. Yeah, so that's half. But I, there was another anecdote out there that the Browns' name is not it married well with Paul Brown, but that it was a fan contest where someone essentially called them. It was named after Joe Lewis, the Brown. Right. Bum, I the looked boxer. into this. This is what yeah. Paul Brown said for most of his life. But then later, maybe he's deflecting. Later in life, no. he admitted multiple times. I had to look it up because I wanted to give I've Walker, my son, the straight truth. A couple truth. of Paul Brown biographies. They're named after Paul Brown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he admitted later in life. Yeah, it's after me. Well, and I think it's cool that Jim Brown, arguably the greatest player in NFL history, named Brown, played for the I Browns. mean, that yep. seems like if or, Orlando or Brown. Symmetry. If you're going to have a cursed franchise, though, <laughs> you're going to have that you're named after a guy who owns one of your rivals. Now, in fairness, the Bengals have been, you know, as cursed or worse. So. Maybe something with that family. The state of Ohio needs to finally have a football team worth the state of Ohio. I mean, you've got the Hall of Fame there. We're not doing it justice. Um, What else we got for underrated, uh, overlooked characters in free agency? I I was going to say the women of NFL Network. Whoa. Oh. We have some dynamic, exceptional women, you you know, familiar with Ricky, of course, and Colleen Wolf from this podcast. But Jane Slater has broke more 
cowboy stories than anybody else I've seen from this network who worked on the Cowboys beat before that. Stacy Dales is phenomenal and one of the great college basketball players we've ever seen. An like, Olympian. When I yes, when I Olympian. talk about like what we see at the talent summits, like I, I always I'm so impressed by the women in this company that they they are go getters, they're confident, and they get things done. Hey, uh, every day is International Women's Day for Wes here. This is great. Well, I, I worked Jane, with Jane at the Pro Bowl, and just to kind of see her work on a daily basis and her connectivity with the Cowboys, it was surreal experience. Uh, mm-hmm. How dialed in she is, and and kind of what kind of juice she has there in Dallas. She really is the kind of queen mm-hmm. of uh, that good Dallas crew, good Cow- crew Cowboys coverage. Yeah, so um, I'm going to go a couple overlooked position groups quickly. Safety, a lot of safeties, not just Justin Simmons, Von Bell, Anthony Harris, Devin McCourty, Ha Ha Clinton Dix is. Pretty solid player. Rodney McLeod. Like, you go up and a Carl Joseph is Carl out Joseph, there. Yeah. If you need a safety, uh, there's actually a decent amount available. And then running backs, it's not a deep class of uh, running back. But I just feel like no one even talks about running backs anymore. And to me, Melvin Gordon would be a nice addition to a team at the right price. Like, if the Bills added Melvin Gordon to Devin Singletary. I like that. And that's a one-two combo. Like, I was trying to think, what are the Bills going to do? Because I think they're going to do something. I think they're going to want to add a running back. Kenyon Drake is out there, too, and, and is interesting. Uh, the Texans are a team that are probably looking for a running back. But Gordon's a good play. When he's rolling, especially if you have someone with him, I think he, he'd be a good I think last year also probably, to an overextended degree, gives you a bad taste when it comes to Melvin Gordon. Yeah. It was the holdout. He comes back, and then the whole offense is not as effective with him in there, but you forget when he's good, he's been awesome. I would say with Kenyon Drake, Steve Kime and the Cardinals too, because you're in year two of Cliff Kingsbury and they don't have a ton of cap room, but they have enough to make, you know, get closer to completing the offensive roster that Kingsbury would want. I think at wide receiver, we mentioned this on our last show, that there are, you know, you're rolling out four wideout sets, snap after snap, but you don't have four proven wideouts, and you're going to hit it in the draft, but you're also going to hit it in free agency. So I think they're going to be active because they can't float into next September with an unfinished offense the way they did last time. And I think, speaking about the Cardinals, that they're one of those sneaky teams that there's buzz going about them as being a destination, you know, that people, mm. that players want to be at. And I think Kyler Murray's presence obviously speaks uh, volumes of that and Cliff Kingsbury implementing the system in year two and what potential takeoff that could have. These guys uh, talk to each other, all mm. these players, yes. so that, that matters. Mm-hmm. Maybe like the, the heat there could just help wipe out the coronavirus. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's <laughs> just like know. it's so hot there that that would be not a place it's... The side don't check, don't check the right. science on this. Uh, anyone want to throw one else out as we wrap this up here? Or we good? Anyone you want to get out there? I feel. Good. I thought Wes, I, feel I thought Marquette was just like. I have others, but I think we've a, discussed some one. of these. The, I had the Bills and the Bucks as guys that mm. you know, but we it sound like the Bucks are no longer underrated. They're becoming mm. centerpiece potentially if this Brady stuff happens. Well, I like the Seahawks. Mm. You know, we talked a little bit about Russell Wilson expressing himself that they need more superstars on that roster, and and if they acquiesce, how about your goatee? I go T. I think that's been one of the storylines of the offseason. Got a lot of positive feedback in Indianapolis, so I kept it, and my Have wife you, loves it, so it's kind of win-win all the way around. You've not had a goatee at any point? in Because it just looks no, natural on you. Oh, Some I've, men, I've they had put on go- the facial hair, and it's just like, yeah, oh, I that's always I feel like I've seen you there. with this. I've had it. I wore it to Indy last year, okay. but I didn't go on TV with it. Okay. So uh, essentially, it lasts post-Super Bowl. We go on the family vacation. I shave it down once, and I keep it maybe for a few days. 
But this has lasted. Now the public this, is wow. this is right. two, this is two or three shaves in now. It's filled in quite nicely. Wow, it looks great. And I keep saying when we hit free agency frenzy next week, it's going to be gone. But why? No, no, I think keep it. I get, the more it gives you. You're such it. a nice guy. But it <laughs> gives you a little. Edge. Yeah, it gives you a little bit of menace, which I don't think okay. is a little seat. <laughs> sort of you got the dad. You know, you're not in. You're not. You're ahoy, mate. Yeah, you said you're. You're not in. Peak uh, beach volleyball shape. So this this okay. kind of makes this gives you a little more menace. Yeah, this perfect. is a Lakeisha theory. Some men need facial hair for seasoning and flavor. You're not one of those men, but it works naturally <laughs> on you. Right, I, no, I've been told that I need it for seasoning. And oh wow! What other well, men? You guys, she, what other men does she need uh, facial hair on? Just if she's going <laughs> across the. She always board she's, here. she was my first and biggest supporter of, of my beard when I had it. So I, you know I did a maybe, I maybe you fall into you that guys, category too. You guys, um, you guys have a lot in common. Wes is expecting his. Uh, his first in May, Omar just days uh, away in terms of expectation. Uh, your third daughter days away from his uh, due date. Yeah, in yeah. terms of due date. So who too? knows? Might might land on the same day. Your your third child, Mark, and I still sitting on two. I don't think we're moving off that. Yeah, there's not a huge push in our household to uh, expand the roster. All right. Well, I mean, so, Omar. Um, well, the factory had been closed in my household, oh. and, and then it was I, it was opened yeah, well, up. That's, I'm happy. Ah. For you. I'm happy for you. A third. Go. Keep going. Yeah. Right. Before keep going. this goes <laughs> any more uh, off the rails, Omar. Um, if Dan was here, he would say that you said it all. You did it all. Oh, cool. Well, thanks. And hey, uh, it was all, it was awesome to be here. You know, I've been big fans of you guys. For oh, you'll be back. You'll years, be back. And uh, you know, th- I appreciate you guys having me on. It was, it was fun. It was great having Omar. We will be back um, on Friday. And uh, who knows what we're going to come up with. We're running the out of The taser special. Oh, maybe. Yeah the, yeah, the taser special. $20. Maybe some news Ricky will Hollywood. be happening. Yeah, Ricky's getting the taser on uh, Friday. We'll see if Dan's back. He's Don't got, tase me, bro. Got, I guess he's got the little C. Be careful. <laughs> I, I'm not Hold. sure how little it is. We'll be see. careful out there, uh, everyone, in terms of the middle C. And uh, everyone with the big C, we're thinking of you. You know, fight on. We've got all our C's <laughs> covered. Next week's going to be big. So until then. Thank you for listening to the Around the NFL podcast presented by Intuit QuickBooks, official sponsor of the NFL. What a time. Weird time in this world (laughs) right now. Very weird. (laughs) For Mark Sessler, Chris Wesley, Omar Ruiz, and Ricky Hollywood. See you Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. 
What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know, he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 